With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We hope that you're back listening to the podcast on a regular basis. But we're here either way. Twice Indeed. a week, in case you haven't heard, Tuesdays and Fridays, this podcast happens. We're way past 500 at this point. And we had a bit of a crazy weekend in Park City. It's, I, yeah. It's I guess June. we live in the mountains, right? It's June. And all of a sudden, of course, just in time for the weekend and only for the weekend, the temperatures plummeted. We had hail. <laughs> and, we had, and we had just been delivered a Toyota TRD Pro Tacoma. Okay? Right. And we were thinking we should take it off-road somewhere. Because it's the TRD Pro. If you're not off-road on that thing, there's no point. It doesn't shine otherwise. So we thought we'd take it off-road. And and then we get literally hail, sideways rain, of like a 30-degree drop in temperatures. We had our ski coats back on. We went out and found a dirty road that by the time we were done was that crazy mud you're not sure you can get out of. Yeah. Well, it was like in Forrest Gump. You know, it rained sideways. It rained from yes. beneath. It, you know, it rained <laughs> every which direction. Good reference. I this like that. This was the weekend. So we had a fantastic time with that truck. There's a fast blast of that coming. We have fast blast. Our intention is every week on Thursday, we have a new piece of YouTube content. A lot of those are fast blasts. We've got a canyon running piece coming. We've got more updates on our crazy sedans. If you haven't seen the nutty autocross piece, go back and watch that. All that's coming. That and happened. we are close to uh, premiere on season seven. Yeah. So there's a lot, and we're thrilled about it. Yeah, we're really thrilled to be bringing you new content. So this will be five new episodes on season seven. It's premiering July 4th, as a matter of fact, 2020, in the morning on the Motor Train Cable Channel. And uh, we're really excited to bring that all that to you. And we will continue to actually to be doing the prior episodes of TV. We will continue to bring those to YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. So they've yeah. lived on Amazon. Of course, they've aired on TV already, but we will continue that as well. So watch for those on YouTube in addition to all the other crazy content, and I need to do a sketch. I've been so busy. I need to sketch the M4 and the 4 Series. Yes, that's coming up. Paul, is gonna, Paul has been, honestly, the, the whole design series was almost created for you to talk about Beaver Teeth, <laughs> and now the time is here, so we're all very excited about that. That's coming for sure. Well, Dammit Patton asks, specifically, he said, did we see the interview with BMW's head of design stating the Beaver Teeth is part of... Did he actually say that in the interview? I, I doubt he did. Because if he did, then... We know, really have scored if he did. Mic yeah. drop. Anyway, he said, this is part of the even-numbered BMW cars being the more boldly styled models. Okay. Do we believe him? What are our thoughts on having conservative and bold styling choices both in the same lineup, of course, but of the same car, the three-quarter series being offered at the same time? Yeah. I think BMW is going through a bit of a renaissance. Renaissance is the wrong word. It's a not a mix-up. It's between those two words. It's <laughs> somewhere in between finding ourselves again. They're mm -hmm. sort of like, I'm going backpacking in Europe for three months, even though they're in Europe. But yes. you know, they're, they're going to go find themselves and rediscover what's next. And they're, they're starting to emerge. They yeah, found yeah. some good shapes. I do like the M2 competition, for example. I do like the styling on that. It looks great. Mm -hmm. I do like the new 5 Series. You know, I like the X5 competition that we drove. That actually looked really good, it and I'm great. surprised to say that, but yes. And so they're finding themselves in various models, but it seems like across the board, they're just trying, they're offering themselves up to try things over here mm -hmm. because that's what they want. They want more sales, and it seems like they're willing to be polarizing to more people if it gains them more ingrained fans. Mm. Well, and I think the idea, the, the concept is great. We have a line of cars that are more conservative. We have a line of cars that are more crazy. Mm -hmm. I think that's great because one of the things that I don't like, and, and Lexus is, is guilty of this, is you get some grill that you have to put on everything. Because some right. cars it works. LC500, right. the Predator Mall, actually kind of works. We've got one of those coming up soon. Yeah, it works great. But yet on some of their SUVs, it's like, you, please put that back in the garage and never, ever take it out again. Okay? We dipped it in the grill. The so seri seriously. So yeah, I, I think not good. being able to release yourself from every car must have the same grill, plus we don't want beaver teeth on everything, is great. Right. But uh, how far do you go before you just alienate everybody because they don't want to be associated with a brand that looks like... X. I don't, there's, a, there's a tough sure. question here. And yeah. I've eviscerated BMW before on the prior F80 Generation 3 Series, mm -hmm. especially the M3, just saying, this is the style guide. Just apply mm -hmm. these elements. Here's the interior design. Yeah. Put some power to it. Great. It's it copy -paste, a fun, yeah. great car. Mm -hmm. But 
BMW of any car company is most guilty of just having the state, you know, everything looks so perfectly mm. lined up. And mm-hmm. I think they're, they're kind of going, huh, we, we need to try something. As a matter of fact, in the Alfa Romeo piece, the Julia yeah, portfolio yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that M3, I might have said that BMW needs to get drunk and dance on the bar. I think you did say that, yes. And I think they did. <laughs> and we're realizing the that results, was just bad. <laughs> the results might not be what we wanted because that <laughs> could have gone both ways. And it, it, you know, of course, manifested itself with the beaver teeth. Yes, alcohol was involved. But Good at point. least they're trying something. So on one yeah. hand, kudos because they're trying new things and they're willing to do that and take the hits. On the other hand, this is where you landed? <laughs> this, this is what this you came up with? This was the result. Everybody said, yeah, let's go with that. Yikes. We've got a cool podcast for you. We've got a topic Tuesday coming up about meeting or possibly owning your heroes from Nick wrote in about that. And also Adam, after the break, wrote in. He wrote in from Michigan and looking for the optimal choice. He has a three-car garage and he's doing a shuffle. <laughs> the big time, big time shuffle. All right. The topic Tuesday, as Todd said, is never meet your heroes from Nick F., who writes to us. He's 33. And since he was about 12, he's always liked the 1993 to 1998 Toyota Supra. So this is the Mark IV. In high school, he had a friend whose parents bought him a 97 twin-turbo six-speed Supra. Now, to clarify... Wow. Yeah, seriously. No high schooler should drive that car. Secondly, this is the icon one. This is the one that the new yes. Super can't possibly compete with. This right. is the one with the 2JZ. This is the one that was the the big star of Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. This is the one that Paul Walker is associated with. It's that one <laughs> it's that, that became car. the legend of the 1,000 horsepower 2JZs and the whole thing. This is the <laughs> car he's lusted after. What I find fascinating is the fact that he kind of has one. Uh, Did you notice uh, this? Well, funny enough, Toyota is reminding everybody that y'all didn't get interested in that particular super until it exited production, until we stopped making it, Mm -hmm. and then you started loving it? It showed up in Fast and Furious in, what, 01, and everybody's like, that car is really cool. I mean, I know tuners had found it before, but the general consciousness, uh, honestly, Toyota corporate tracks the awareness and they show, they personally will discuss that the awareness shift was connected to the movie, not to the tuners yes. that had discovered it prior, which is crazy. They stopped making it because the business case didn't exist mm-hmm. anymore. They were too the expensive. The sales numbers were too yep. low. Yep. But then, you know, of course, the movie comes out and mm-hmm. they went, where were you guys? <laughs> Just a few years ago, where yep. were you guys? All right. So this is the first car that Nick fell in love with. He said going out for drives and cruises with his friend in that car, still vivid memories in his life. And since high school, he's looked for these on sale on a regular basis, but never pulled the trigger for one reason or another. You couldn't afford one, saving for a house, paying for a wedding, you know, pesky things like that. Life, yeah. Mm -hmm. So while never actually owning one of these cars, he became friends with these cars and he's quite familiar with them and has had the ability to drive them a couple of times. And now he's in a place in his life where he feels like everything is set. Mm -hmm. Everything's in place and he's looking at buying one again. He has the option. Yeah, for sure. But he's concerned he's built too much in his head and his heart. He's built it up to be Mm -hmm. this, this thing. It's too much. And so he says, should I, should I meet my heroes? I mean, Nick, you've driven them. Yeah. You're not unfamiliar that, that is, with the car. That is an interesting twist here, Spent for sure. time around Absolutely. the car. It's not like, time with it. Yeah. You, you know, all I've done is look at pictures of this thing, mm-hmm. and I've never mm-hmm. actually sat yeah. in one, let alone driven one. That's not the case here. But he says, you know, to get into a nice version, it starts at forty five to 55000 Yeah, some sites are going for even eighty to ninety to 100000 yep. depending. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And it goes up quickly, yes. So what else can you buy in the forty-five dollars to $60,000 market as there are a lot of awesome cars that would be better than a 25-year-old Toyota? And he's asking if it'd be better. Mm-hmm. And he's asking, should I really take the plunge here? But what's fascinating to me <laughs> is the current garage. Yes, yes. He currently has a Dodge Charger Daytona 392. This is his fun car, okay? There's a 2010 Toyota Prius as the daily. Yes. But then... Record scratch moment here. He has a 1989 Nissan 240SX. Okay. With a 2JZ in it that goes 600 horsepower. Unbelievable. So I, I, this is where I, I literally, my brain came to a halt when I read that sentence. And I actually mm-hmm. backed up to go, wait a minute, you've got a Nissan 240 with that motor. I, I feel like you've already done, Nick, the thing that everybody wants the Supra for. I'm going to okay. buy a Supra, and I'm going to make it crazy horsepower. You put that motor in an even smaller car, and you have that. 
mm-hmm. which gives this a whole other weird layer. We talk about this, Nick, without having driven that A80 Supra, that Fair. Mark IV Fair. Supra. Yeah. I, I hear you on the 25-year-old car because the dynamics of the new Supra, I think, are going to bury the old one. The old one will be great. The engine's awesome. It's fast. Mm-hmm. I think the new one will in every category surpass it as far as driving enjoyment. And so as far as Except meeting for having, not heroes, having a manual. <laughs> well, <laughs> I had to go there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ugh, twist the knife a little bit. So as far as meeting your heroes, well, you have to, you've, you've met your hero already. You've driven the car. Yeah, agree. And of course, only you can answer the question, do I want to own this car? But I'm afraid that if you do take the plunge and you do get one, it's going to be the thing that sits in your garage and you'll never, ever drive it because you have the car. I completely agree. It's my concern as well. This, is, this has all the breadcrumbs of winding up with a car that's too precious. Very much so. And, and, More so than just your average, hey, I got a new car. Yeah. Because I, I have to also ask, going back to your garage, what is the 240 used for? With a 600, power two, 600 horsepower 2JZ in it. What do you use it for? Because you talk about the Charger is the fun car, the Prius is the daily. Except for being a project that's crazy, you don't list that the 240 has a purpose. Honestly, Turning it's, it's money just, into noise and smoke? Which is fine. Which is fine. But your, your comment here is that if you got the Super, you'd sell the Charger. Right. Keep the 2JZ swappers. Let's be honest. More powerful from same motors. Uh, you'd keep the 240 and the Prius. So I, yeah. I I feel like there's a lot of overlap there, and I don't understand when the 240 would be used or when it gets used at all right now. Mm-hmm. And I think if you wind up with that Supra in your garage, I agree with you, Paul. I think that is the halo car of your life, and you won't want to drive it. Or you'll be so precious with it, honestly, no one will want to hang out with you. This is my <laughs> other concern. Because well, wow. I'll, I'll go here. Your, your buddy, whose parents bought him one when you were in high school. Right. I doubt there was preciousness because you're high school kids. They and went you out have a and fast thrashed car, you on just the thing. Went and thrashed it. Yeah. Would you be willing to do that now? No, is the I answer. I suspect no. Yeah. Because the other part of it is there's going to be that thing in you where you're going to spend a lot of money, a lot of your money to get into one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you start looking at that of representing that much of your money. Mm-hmm. Now you want to be precious. Forget what the car is for a second. Just because you put that much money into it. You've, you, you've talked before about how the fact you've had to reach and you couldn't get there a few times. If you get there now, how precious will you be? Mm. I have other thoughts, but that is my big concern here. I'm right there with you, Paul. Hmm. I'm wondering if the 240 gets driven and the Supra would sit because that would still take the place. It's still got plenty of power and it's just, you know. Mm. Maybe. Still. Maybe. Like it enough I mean, to drive. That's his hope it, is that, he, that he'd Supra. sell the Charger and, and drive the Supra. But then, mm. what's the 240 doing, and vice versa? It's also unclear, Nick, if you built that particular Nissan 240SX. You don't say whether you I built so. it or bought it. I suspect he built it. Okay, let's assume that he built it, which means a lot of sweat and tears and all that stuff. Money mm. has gone into that yes, car. Yes, because yes. I was thinking about you know what if you found. Uh, a Supra to your liking that was kind of dinged up and it wasn't in the best shape and maybe somebody had tried terrible mm-hmm. mods and you want to put it back to stock and put it back right and you put your time and money into that car. That could be cool because now you're really invested in that car and mm-hmm. it's set back right and you've you know kind of restored it, partially restored it. But then on the other hand, it's going to sit again because you've partially restored it. You don't want anything to happen to mm-hmm. it. You won't go thrash on it and drive it. So I think you're at a place in life where even though you've met your hero, you can say, awesome, love it, but you can leave it there in time. Mm-hmm. Because there's, yes, people buying these Supras and mm-hmm. promptly not driving them. Yes. The ones that are, the rare ones, let's be honest, that are still stock are the ones that are worth crazy money because they're, they're rare because they're stock because everything yeah. else is fast and furious. Yes. And so that's the thing is that's why they're worth so much money. They may continue to be worth a lot of money. So you could look at it as an investment, but now I'm back to you bought a car as an investment. You're not going to drive it. I don't think it's going to be that much of an investment. Honestly, I think, I think your money's safe in one. If you find a stock one, I think your money's safe there, but that's going to make you not want to drive it. Yeah, exactly. And to make, Good money. What if it makes you five, ten, twenty grand? Is that life changing money? No, that's just buy a next car kind of money. Well, but that's not like I look at an investment like, mm-hmm. wow, that went up, you know, hundred thousand dollars or more. But you got to be at the upper echelon of car collecting 
just to even touch that. So I never look at cars, at least, you know, I don't have the ability to yeah, financially yeah. to, you know, this is going to make me money someday, you know, like $50,000, 96 civics. <clears throat> yeah. Fair point. Fair point. But, but that's the other part of it is even if it, if you double your money in a decade in order to do that, you're going to have to let the car sit and it's your hero car. Let me speak to meeting the heroes specifically right now beyond just you, Nick. Let me speak to this real quickly. I think if you have a hero car in your life, you should meet it. Now, you've already driven this, and one of my questions for you is when's the last time you drove one? Was it high school? Because that's now half your life ago. Oh, yeah, sure. So was that the last time you drove it? I suspect your impressions of it if you drove one today would be different than your memories. True. Not, not, Not worse necessarily, just different. You're a different person. Yeah, now. you'll say, "Well, I remember it like that." That's yeah. So different. there's that. I'm yeah. curious about the last time you drove one. You should probably try to find one and drive it, whether you're going to buy or not. The interesting thing about cars, though, is they are time machines. Mm-hmm. And the re- we talked about this. If you watch auctions, they're running at about a thirty to forty year cycle because yeah. the cars that we loved in high school. 30, 40 years later, we have the money to just throw down and get the one we couldn't afford. Right. And so that, that's where the, the auction swell is, where you can just see, oh, well, those are the guys that now have the money. You can see where the swell is. <laughs> and we're getting into these 90s cars now. We're just starting to begin. Yeah. I think it's the beginning yeah. of the wave, honestly. But the cool thing is it connects you back to things you used to have or things you never had when you have one of these cars. Sure. I would like a Jaguar E-Type. Okay. I've driven better cars. Sure. I have a, sure. just a soft spot in my heart for driving those. I've driven them a couple of occasions, and I just feel – there's another way to describe it. I just feel warm mm. in a great, pleasing experience mm. when I'm driving that car. Okay. There's no connection other than the fact that when I was tiny, my dad had one, and it was one of the rare bits of flair, if you will, in my father's life. Mm-hmm. And it was the thing that embedded in me a car love that everything else around my life didn't foster. But yeah. that did. Yeah. So I have a soft spot for that. People have told me even recently, you heard the, our interview with Tommy Kendall and, and Justin Bell, and Tommy pointed out to me that if I sell my Lotus Elise, it will become that car for my son. And That's I think true. he's right. That, okay? I totally agree. So I, yeah. I believe in these time machine cars, and if you can have them, great. And if you can meet them and have never driven them, please do. But please drive them. Agreed. And Agreed. if you're going to spend the money, don't spend the money because it's an investment. Don't spend the money because I'm going to make so much off of it. Find you one that can be a driver and just enjoy it for what it is and drive it all the time. And this is my real concern here with you, Nick. And I'm going to give you in a minute, I want, I want some more stuff from Paul here, but I also want to give you other cars I think you should drive for driving homework to see if you should buy the Supra. I'm looking at this range because you didn't exactly give us a budget, but I can infer based on what you're saying, you're, you're talking 45 to 60. And if you're willing yep. to spend that kind of money yep. on a Supra, well, I'm sure you'd be willing to spend that kind of money on something else. And you, you said you lots there's of a cars. lot of great cars out there that are quote unquote better than a 20, 25 year old Toyota. If you do buy one of these Supras, I'm all for it, mm-hmm. but I do ask you to drive it. And Go enjoy it and, you know, not just take it to car shows, but Mm -hmm. take it for drives, commute in it, do the things a car does Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. don't be just, yeah, too precious, too protective of it. You got to keep it clean. Got to keep it nice. Yeah. 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 You know, dent free, scratch free, all those kinds of things. But if you drive it, I think you'll get far more enjoyment out of it than owning the thing because we have Mm -hmm. talked to many people who now I've got the thing. Well, great. Drive it. Well, no, I've got it now. I've yeah, box checked, mission accomplished. I, I have it. <laughs> we always are beating our heads it. against the door frame. Like, what happened? Are you out of your mind? Why would yeah. I drive it? I have it. Yeah. Oh my gosh! But I do feel like there's, to your point, so many cars out there that you could experience. If you can p- find one for a reasonable price, mm-hmm. great. But I do feel like you're missing a lot. To your point about the 25 year old Toyota, I want you to drive a new Supra. Mm-hmm. I want you to go drive the A90, the brand new Supra. Mm-hmm. I want you to drive both engines too, the two liter and the three liter. Mm-hmm. I want you to experience that car. I want you to experience mid-engine cars. Yes. I want you to experience small, lightweight, but still has power. Like the Yada RF, the MX-5 RF mm-hmm. that I like, the brand new one that has mm-hmm. got the upgraded power and I just it came to life. Mm-hmm. I want you to go experience some things because you might come away thinking, well, maybe I like something better. Ultimately, it comes down to what are you going to go use this car for? Yeah, yeah. And we talk about this a lot. And if you have the Supra and you don't use it for something other than just I have it, 
it owns you. True. Your car will own True. you. And I get the nostalgia. We're all back in high school. We feel like the cooler version of ourselves. We're often not. But we feel like the cooler version of ourselves from high school because we now have this car. But there's a lot of stuff. Let, let's assume right now you have round 60 grand. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. First thing I want you to do, Nick, is I want you to go drive that hero car again. Find one somewhere that you can drive and have a real conversation with yourself after the fact about what was the same as you remember, what was better, what was worse, what mm-hmm. was just different. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I'm certain you're a different person coming to that car sure, now. Sure, sure. And then I've got a quick list I want to rocket fire through Do it. about things I also think you should drive that are around that same money. Think about everything There's on this a list. Lot. There's, a, There's a, a fantastic range. Mustang GT350. Yes. Camaro ZL1. Okay, good. Those are different, but they're on this list. Also now, think about this. BMW 1M. Oh, yeah. Original yeah. Acura NSX. Those are era and those cars fantastic. are in this category that yep. we're, we're in the dip and they're going to start to go back up. Cayman, whatever Cayman you can get for that money. Nine eleven, whatever one you can get for that money. A C seven Corvette, good, good. Heck, a C six Corvette Z six. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah. Alpha four yeah. C, Lotus Elise, and Devora, and the new Supra. Like Any it. one of those cars are excellent, life changing sports cars if you take them out and drive them, and they're all different. Mm-hmm. And there's something out there for you, Nick. But meet all. Let, you know what? Let's meet all the heroes. Let's meet them and figure out what we sure. want sure. versus what we think we want. I wonder if you'd like the new Supra. I wonder if it would acknowledge your past and say, "Yes, I loved it, and I have those fond memories with the A80 generation." But now I own the new one because this is where things are going, and it Maybe. is a new car. It does come with a warranty, and the driving experience I suspect will be better. It's very good. I just so want a manual. I, I we really all think, need the manual. Yes. I really think the manual option is the, the missing secret sauce on that car. We'll yeah. See. We'll see. As long as we all buy those cars. Because everybody says, Somebody's, oh, it's yes. not the right car. Everybody says, no I'd, manual. I'd buy it if there was a manual. Are you buying one? If, if you would really buy one if there's a manual, then you're allowed to say that. <laughs> Whenever Todd and I are searching for cars, we always start with Auto Tempest. To find the best cars for any budget, you know it's important to cast a wide net and check all the places they might be listed. Now, we used to have to search all different car sites separately, but with Auto Tempest, you can search them all in one place. With Auto Tempest, you can enter your search results and see all the results from all the top car sites at once, plus a bunch of smaller ones you probably didn't think to check. Auto Tempest will help you find your next car, wherever it's hiding. With all the listings in one place, it's a great way to shop around and compare what's out there. So if you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or you're just looking to feed the disease like we always are, head to autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Adam in Michigan has a pretty great garage. He's got a 2016 GTI, a 2017 124 Spider Abart. Cool. And he also has his wife's Tucson, a 2012 Tucson. Okay. He's got three cars in his family. Interesting fact here, he says part of the reason that he got the Abarth is because of our video where we drove the RF and the FRS. And yeah, with the 124. So it turns yeah. out they're a steal. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they, they do not have much of a resale at all. Yeah. And I, at the time, I liked that car better. It had did, just yeah. a little bit of a turbo punch, different styling. You liked that engine and that styling did, quite a I bit. Did. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, his wife has a 2012 Hyundai Tucson, 120,000 miles, couldn't care less about cars. <laughs> She's ambivalent and likes things to be low maintenance. Okay. All right. Her commute, though, is fairly long. He says about 19 miles each way. It, well, it's long if you're stuck in traffic. It's, yeah. you know, 20 yeah, I imagine, drive if I you're imagine that takes a long time. Yeah. So, she works in sustainability. She's a big friend of the environment, and she hates getting 24 miles a gallon in the Tucson. I can see that. Now, they live in Michigan, as I mentioned, so in the winter, he drives the GTI, and then in summer, he drives the Spider. He only lives one and a half miles from his work, so he only puts, you know, barely any miles no on miles his car. No miles on either car, yeah. The problem is, he's got the wonderful GTI that barely gets driven, and because his wife does get garage space in their two-stall garage, it sits outside in the snow all winter long. Okay. You need a Covercraft car cover for it, by yes, the way. Yes, you do. Get the Noah cover, because they're killer they for the are. snow. They really are. On top of that, the more fun car to drive is a Spider, yes. Yeah. But the more practical car to drive is his wife's SUV, although mm-hmm. GTIs cannot be accused of being super impractical. But his point is, but if, I get it. if we need space, we're going to take the SUV. And so, again, the GTI, figuratively and literally, is left out in the snow. Yeah, there was this sentence in here that he says there's rarely a case which, in which the GTI is the best choice. It sits. Mm-hmm. 
That's amazing. The, the, if pure fun, spider. Need to haul? SUV. GTI can do a little bit of both, but because it's got a foot in both camps, it never is really the choice. Wow. All right. So Adam thinks he should sell the GTI, and then he could get his wife something else, something she loves. She isn't really hard to impress, he says. And then, you know, he could take the Tucson one and a half miles to work each winter or Mm -hmm. replace it with something better. His wife always wants one larger vehicle, one larger size vehicle. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for a while, his plan was to get her a Volt, Chevy Volt, because they are cheap. They're great in the used market, as he says. He drove one. He says it was really boring, but was (laughs) kind of fun to get the most miles per hour. He means miles per gallon. Gallon, I think is what you mean. Yes. So hopefully... Getting one of those cars did not turn you into a hypermiler. That's not what we want. It just needs to fill a need. <laughs> yeah. And don't become a, hey, look, more leaves are growing on my dash because I'm feathering they the all, gas. They and, all do that. You know, the eight cars behind you are leaning on their horns. Like, yes. could you just please go? And they're going to use extra gas getting around you. Right. Anyway, yeah, that, that balance did not work. Yeah. He's thought about a short-range electric vehicle like an e-golf, but the problem is if they need to visit their family in Pennsylvania or her family in Iowa, they would have a short-range electric car, a two-seat sports car, or a high-mileage SUV. Mm-hmm. He's got a healthy budget. He says, let's keep things under $50,000. Lower is, of course, always good, but everything is paid off, and they both work hard, and he says, no kids ever. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So what are we thinking I'm I'll be honest Adam I tried this combination I tried that Mm -hmm. I was over here dabbling and searching for cars and then I thought "Ah, that doesn't make sense then I was over here dabbling for cars and that didn't make sense I've tried keeping three cars I've tried just going down to two cars Mm -hmm. only Mm -hmm. I'm I'm really working with the budget and that is honestly that's a lot of money that's a great amount to work with but it does sound like you do love the fun car you like having clearly clearly Yes. The thing that, you know, here, you know, summer's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're going for a special drive. And because it was cheap and because it's just convertible, let's just yeah, take it out. Totally, totally. It will remain. Mm-hmm. That's the Yeah, the 124 is the only one that I think is the immovable object here. But I think it's great that you love it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I get the idea, though, that indeed three cars still need to happen. Probably. It'd be tough for me to justify just two because you want the spider. You just want to keep it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. I love that. Drive. But you need something for the winter and for the the <clears throat> mile and a half commute. Yeah. And Ooh, my wife commute. needs yeah. something for her. So I've been all over the map. I was looking at Hyundai Kona Electrics. I was looking at used Model 3s. I thought, Adam needs a Supra 2.0. Maybe not. <laughs> you just keep coming back to that car. It's like a <laughs> magnetic attraction with you right now. <laughs> Todd and I just recently drove a 2020 Highlander Hybrid, which impressed us a lot. Yeah, it was very fact. cool. Yeah, that, Loaded that out the $52,000, but... It also takes seven people. Yeah. You said no kids ever, and I'm thinking, well, okay, that's just bigger. You, you've hit on my number one question, and that is, <laughs> why the bigger car? You say your wife always wants a bigger car, mm-hmm. but you also say you actually land on it, no kids ever, and we don't get the impression there's no mention of dogs or anything like that. Yeah. So it's the two of you, Yeah. and you have a decent income, and you need that car occasionally for road trips. Why does it need to be large? One of them is a drummer in a rock band. Maybe, maybe. But but my my alternate question. Then I want to. I, I did. I skinned this two ways. But one way that I went was, can't the GTI be big enough? Get yeah. rid of the Tucson, and your wife drives yeah. the GTI, yeah. which you know you like. You haven't said if it's manual or auto. Maybe it's manual, and she doesn't want to drive that. Maybe sure. I'm, I'm totally guessing. Him. You didn't tell yeah. us. But why not? Why doesn't she drive the, those cars have got a surprising amount of space. You put down the back seats. They've got a ton of space. It's just the two of you. You could road trip like crazy in the mid 30 miles per gallon for her commuting or for you guys driving cross country in the GTI, mm-hmm. which you already like. And mm-hmm, that could be, mm-hmm. she could just use it. Although I get the idea that she wants an electric car. I really, maybe I'm maybe. inferring from his email that she just, the next car she wants to be electric. So, and we've got a larger car question that seems to lean as SUV. So there is that question as well. So keep going. I question your large logic as well. I mm. question, you know, no kids. You're not, you know, hockey players. You don't have a tuba collection, you know. <laughs> we just sold the tuba collection. It was awesome, but it was collecting We're dust. finally downsizing. So... I'm thinking smaller. I'm hoping she'd like smaller. And because I do think she wants something to be electric, 
And Tesla Model 3s are an investment. They are. And they're mm, awesome. Yeah. And they're loaded with tech. And there is the Model Y. But I don't want to spend all your budget. I want to okay. split it between the two of you. I want to keep okay. the Fiat 124. I want to keep the Abarth for you. Okay? So that's yep, off that to the side. Stay. I agree with that. Yep. I went round and round. But I want a car for you, Adam, that is just as juicy and appealing to drive as that waiting for summer drive in the Fiat. Okay, I like this. I, I like want this. It, I want you to Good. wake up and be like, oh, I can't decide, and it's great weather. I can't decide. What should I do? <laughs> but it'll still be good for winter. Mm-hmm. And then I want something electric for her. So I took your $50,000, I split it up, mm. and I am selling the GTI, and I'm selling the Tucson. Good for you. All right. And for you, I am buying a Hyundai Veloster N. Interesting. 29 grand. Let's call it 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. All done. Hyundai Veloster N. Great in the winter. It will be a struggle. When you come out and you look at your two cars, you'll think, cool, Fiat 124. Oh, the Hyundai Veloster N. (laughs) Turbocharged goodness. (laughs) Okay. Manual. Delightful to drive. Rocket ship. Mm -hmm. So much fun. Your commute is a mile and a half. You won't even get the catalytic converters warmed up yet. (laughs) And we're done. Especially not in the winter. Yeah. In the winter. So you will look for, you know, you'll have to leave 30 minutes early and be like, I'm going to take the northern loop back to actually where I live. That's funny. I want that car for you because I do think it will cause you to drive it more. Hmm. You'll you'll take it out more. You can commute it. It does have a surprising amount of space. If you want to take some people, you want to Mm -hmm. fold Mm -hmm. the two rear seats down, it could be a good road trip car. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like the GTI in that sense, but it's far more exciting than the GTI. Yeah, yeah. And for her, I searched around, and because you said she's ambivalent, but because these are electric, slightly used, you can get a Chevy Bolt for $18,000. Yes, you can. So I'm slicing up your 50. I'm calling it 29, 30 for you, and about 18 to 20 for a Chevy Bolt for her. Mm-hmm. The 19-mile the commute that she's got will do great it'll just be, be great. perfect yes you might not even yep. have to charge it every week you could just charge it on the weekends mm-hmm. and it'll be great i think she'll really dig it i think she might even like it because it's not a tesla it's something very different mm-hmm. and it does kind of feel like you're sitting up a little bit more straight yes not high but yes. straight you're not yes. down in a car you're kind mm-hmm. of on this car you're sitting on this car so that feeling of you know i want something bigger even though it is small and nimble maybe it'll feel that way. I mean, it's heavier, so maybe she'll just, you know, it feels like a big car. It feels like a big heavy car because it's got a lot of batteries in it. (laughs) So I'm looking at these two for you. I mean, I went over to Acura. I'm thinking, oh, how about a Volvo something that there's a, mm, no, not sure about that. Mm, mm. I I went everywhere. I want you to have a Supra, but then (laughs) a mile and a half. And you've got the Fiat (laughs) that you picked up for probably inexpensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought about a Mini Cooper JCW. Yeah, screaming, mm-hmm. fantastic! But I pulled it back into Hyundai Veloster and for Adam, a Chevy Bolt for your wife. I like it. I did actually similar things, but came to different conclusions. Okay, good. We've got a little bit of overlap, but not completely. Exciting. Adam, and and hello to your wife as well. I decided to adhere to the rules because <laughs> I, I, I we both have said it. I don't think a big car is necessary here. I don't think that's yeah, the case based on what you're telling me. But assuming that the big car is really wanted enough that your wife wants something big. Mm-hmm. And that Tucson has been the five seat SUV thing for a while, but it's 2012, got a lot of miles on it. Yeah. So I'm splitting up your budget as well. Okay. For your wife, the SUV that gets better gas mileage, better tech, nicer to be in, I suspect she's going to like it more than she expects. And you will too. Get yourself a couple year old Mazda CX5. Those are good. You can't go wrong. Get an all wheel drive yeah. CX5. Those are it good. parks in the garage, it parks on the driveway. Who cares? That's a that is a really worthwhile upgrade in your CUV SUV love. It's a perfectly solid upgrade. Yeah. You'll spend maybe half your budget. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The one twenty four stays. I'm selling the GTI and the Tucson both. Okay. okay. I am sad to see the GTI go for you because I do think your wife could drive that. But I'm, but again, I'm trying to, to adhere to the rules. So okay. CUV, okay. we've got the Mazda CX-5. All right. You've got the 124. I agree with you, Paul. I think what needs to be here is a fully electric car. Okay. Okay. Because your wife could drive the CX-5 or you guys can drive cross-country in the CX-5. True. But if you have an electric car in play as well, there's two options here. Your wife might like it enough to commute in it. Right. Or it might be the absolute perfect winter commuter for you. 
True. Heated seats. True. You don't have to go far. You keep it charged. You just drive it a few blocks and you're done. And I think full electric is quirky enough to get over the boring aspects that bothered you about the Volt. Mm, because sure. the Volt feels pretty much like a normal car, but a kind of boring commuter that is feels like a normal car, which one of the things we right, liked about it. Right. But it's not, a, it's not a dynamic, interesting car. No, no. If you go full electric, now it, it, it flips a switch in your brain, Tesla or anything, mm-hmm. where you're just like, this is totally different. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, the Bolt is a great one. You already found them for under 20, Paul. So you might not even spend all your Amazing. budget. You get a CX-5 and an under $20,000 Bolt and not even spend your full 50, which how rarely do we do that on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go even cheaper okay. and quirkier. Did you know the Fiat 500Es are crazy oh, cheap? They are cheap. I forgot about those. They're those like great. six or eight grand. All Fiat Garage? Is that, is that well, where you're going? No, I'm not because you at least have Julia the Julia Guadalfolio for his wife. But then he has <laughs> <laughs> commuting Wait, that, baby. You're right. We've solved it. <laughs> all, no. all Fiat Garage. 500E for Adam. That is funny. That's very funny. No, no, no. That's not where I'm going. She would but, be rocking that thing. But he could be driving to work in an all Fiat Garage. He could take the 500E in the winter and the, and the Fiat uh, 124 in the summer. Yeah. Anyway, so Fiat 500Es are crazy cheap, but the other one that gives you a completely different experience now is rear-wheel drive, quirky, and i got to be honest, I keep circling back to them because I think they're interesting and they're so cheap now, BMW i3s. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to mention that. And also electric cars generally, they require less maintenance. Because mm-hmm. there's less moving parts. So any one of those, while I've said this before, while they go out of date fast because they're tech, they aren't known to be poor reliability. So Bolt, 500E, BMW i3, drive all three of those. I think one of those electric cars you would find as something that solves this issue. And I really think now you and your wife in the middle of the winter have got a debate Mm-hmm. Because the 124 mm-hmm. in the middle of a snowstorm isn't going out. But the electric car on winter tires and the SUV on winter tires, who's taking what? Mm. I think you might swap. But when you go going cross country, you'll be perfectly comfortable in the CX-5. Though I still think you could get by with a car. Yeah. And being in that CX-5, if she fell in love with the electric car, that's not like it's a prison sentence for no, Adam. It's, it's perfect. He'd love it. Absolutely, yeah. Summer is finally here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. You know, the leather seats that you thought were a great idea until you scald your legs. Luckily, all you need is a custom sunscreen from our friends at Covercraft. They're awesome. They're amazing. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car and keep your car cooler when you're off enjoying the sunshine. These custom sunscreens come in a variety of colors, and they're an affordable and simple way to keep your car cooler in the summer and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens. I I love it. It's one of our very favorite car accessories. Remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com. Or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. How's this sound? Driving the California coast in a replica Shelby Daytona Coupe. That sounds good, huh? Yeah, I thought so. And here's your shot. DriveShare is the coolest online car sharing platform around, and it's giving you the chance to win this ultimate dream drive. All you have to do is tell them where your dream drive is, and you could win theirs. We're talking about California's Highway 1, Pacific Coast Highway. Enter today at driveshare.com slash dreamdrive. That's driveshare.com slash dreamdrive. Ted Theologan says this sounds stupid, but mouth closed or open when track driving with a helmet. Hmm. He worries about biting down and taking a chunk out of the inside of his cheek. (laughs) Uh, Okay. This, I is, this is never stressed me. I'm sitting here hmm. thinking, what do I do? I don't know. Well, you and I are talking most of the time. That is track. true. That is very true. We are talking. Track. Excuse we me. We are talking in process. So our That's mouth what is my mouth open is doing. and yeah. we're, you know, in horror or shock or a gape or, That's you know, true. our eyes are wide at the speed or something like when that. When was so the last time I was silent in a car? That kind of creeped me out I'm just telling now. You, yeah, I can't track. drive a car if it doesn't have a camera in it. <laughs> really? Like, how does this operate? That's funny. i to turn the camera on. So, what you need is a mouth guard. You can get them at any sporting mm. goods store. Just, yeah. you know, the ones you take, you heat up in the hot water and bite down. That could be your, your mouth guard if you're concerned about that. And that would, you know, give you something to That's chew possible. on. And uh, that might help because hopefully you're not thinking about this when you're on track. But I take your point. You could be so frightened or scared or happy or whatever. You yeah. could just you know, accidentally do something to yourself, which would be no good. So I'm suggesting a mouth guard. Interesting. Burl has an interesting question that almost sounds like a car debate slash marriage counseling slash topic Tuesday, but I'm going to try to cover it quickly. He said he likes old cars and modifying them. Mm. His wife likes new cars kept stock. Mm. 
They are a house divided. Okay. How do we solve this? Mm. Now, first off, Burl, do you need to solve it? I, I feel like in your statement here, I feel like your wife actually likes her car. You haven't been specific. Okay. It's a quick question. Okay. But you don't say my wife hates cars. You say she just likes new cars in stock. Okay. Mm. And you like to work on stuff. What we're talking about here isn't a difference in car opinion. We're talking about a difference in free time and hobbies. You like to oh. work on stuff. Yeah. You're okay with, I was out in the garage for a couple hours today and I worked on this. What does your wife do for her hobby? Mm. It's not working on her car. She wants to get in her car and have it start. And I'll tell you something. I am at best a marginal wrench. Okay. I, 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 I've done a I'm few things, you. but I just what I have realized as I have gotten busier with the show and other things is that if a car bill needs to be worked on, I should take it to somebody and pay for it because it will take me three or four times longer than it will take them. And my time should be served and then, elsewhere. Yeah, you don't have the right tool. And, and then I'll break something. Store. That's yeah. the other part of it. So I like that you're working on a resto mod. You love your resto mod. You, that's, that's, but that's your hobby. So what's your wife's hobby that you're like, I wouldn't give it that time? That's where the division is. It's not on cars. It's on free time. Because mm. I suspect what's going on here is your wife. And I'll be honest with you. I totally respect this and like this. Your wife wants to go into the garage, start her car, and it works every time. And it doesn't make a weird noise, and she goes, let me diagnose that, and I'll fix it this week. None of that. Just needs to work. Nothing wrong with that on the planet. Mm-hmm. But for mm-hmm. you, Burl, I get it. If the car doesn't work quite, quite right, you can instantly go, oh, I think I need to do this. And now your hobby's been refreshed. You have the next thing to do for your hobby. So it's a hobby discussion, not a car issue here. Mm. And I think you guys are fine. All right. Combat Conductor asks, what is the current state of alternative fuels? I really feel like it's more about the demand because I think you're talking about things like propane and biodiesel and methanol and even the P-series fuels, which are the blends of ethanol and natural gas and that kind of thing. So there's still research being done. And Toyota has, as a matter of fact, not given up on their own research and their own push to to take their, you know, their cars in that direction, you know, mm-hmm. besides from battery electric vehicles, it's just such a small percent of the market. And I don't know that the, the demand is really there. I think when people think of, all right, the next car isn't going to be gas. You just think battery electric, full battery electric. You might not even be thinking hybrid, maybe. But I think most people just think, all right, I'm looking at an electric car now. That's what I want to do. You're not thinking about, hmm, how can I work methanol and biodiesel into my life? <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think that's the case. And it's difficult too. So yeah. I think it's infrastructure and demand, customer demand. That's why you don't see it around quite as much. Specialty stations will carry it, you know, here and there, but really I I think they'll still be very, you know, kind of rare in a sense in the industry. Not like the one from Friends. This is Ross, who's one of the many good writers that are writing for us. If you haven't read any of the writings, you just go to our website, everydaydriver.com. There's a writings tab. These guys are updating at least twice a week. There's some really good writings on there. Ross has had some great stuff. Like He actually threw down and has tried to define the sports car, which we've discussed here as being a major moving target. Ross is also a big off-road guy. Mm -hmm. So he's asking a question from his proclivities, which is, which would we rather see? An accessible 4x4, he's putting the Suzuki Jimny as as an example, Mm -hmm. or another affordable, accessible sports car on the market. First off, Ross, I think both of these are potential lose-lose scenarios for a car maker. Because if you do a small, affordable 4x4, it's going to be eclipsed by all the SUVs that do all of the daily stuff more. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's a big market for it. But conversely, there's not a big market for another affordable sports car. So my answer is this. I would rather the sports car than the 4x4 for this reason. I think if you're really an off-roader, you're perfectly happy to buy used because you know it's going to get beat on. Okay, sure. So the affordability comes in buying the used one of the more than just it's exactly more than just I need an affordable yeah. brand new 4x4 to take off roading. I think you're buying the old Suzukis and the old whatever and you're uh-huh. making them into a rock crawling beast versus looking for a manufacturer to provide one whereas it's much harder for the average person to go build themselves a proper sports car. Right. Oh, I like it. All right, uh, what else on here? Oh, well, speaking of which, Jared Rose 1 says, Daily Driver, Off-Road, and Crush. Oh, okay. The Toyota Tacoma TRD. Okay. I'm going to say the TRD Pro. Let's put the Pro in there, the sure. truck we just drove. one we just had, got it. Not the Sport, not the Off-Road. We're going full Pro. TRD Light. It's got a He's little... He's going full Pro. Yeah. Jeep Gladiator Rubicon or the Chevy Colorado Bison. Hmm. 
dailing any of these is going to be rough. <laughs> That's it's the be hard rough. part is the daily. Yikes. <laughs> I agree. I'm going to... I'm sure they'll all be just fine off-road. I, they'll all be... They'll all have their strengths, and they can do off-road and 4x4 things great, but the bison just isn't appealing. The name, especially mm. after your son just said, <laughs> this isn't a predator. It's a he had seen the fort. Let me explain this. He, he, he was just coming through his era, as all little boys seem to have, and lots of just little kids in general seem to have, where they're obsessed with dinosaurs. They know all the names. They know the sounds. They know what they do. Okay, He was just coming out of his dinosaur season, if you will. His season of life. Exactly. <laughs> all kids do it. And he had seen the Ford Raptor and been in one. Yeah. And then you and I happened to be talking about – we weren't even talking to him. We were talking about the release well, of the – the Chevy Bison. He's bigger trim. anyway. He so. is for sure. He wants to be involved, which is great. Yes. We were talking about the Bison in general, and unasked, he interjected with, "Wait a minute, the Bison's are herbivore. It's it's not even a predator. The Raptor's a predator. Those aren't equivalent." And we just literally our conversations stopped, and we looked at him, and totally. we're and just for three or four seconds, like that is a genius assessment of that truck. Totally. There it is. Totally. Anyway, all right. That has stuck in my mind, and therefore, it's very funny. The bison gets crushed. I'm going to. Mm, what am I going to do? I as rough as that thing is. I'm going to. I'm going to take the Tacoma TRD Pro off road and leave it for off road. I'm going to daily the Gladiator Rubicon, although that's going to be rough. I think I'm actually going to agree with you, and here's why I'm going there. Because the Rubicon has a longer wheelbase. And bigger yeah, wheels yeah. than the Tacoma, so I'm hoping and we haven't driven them back to back. <laughs> it would be a little bit better on road, yeah. Even though it's wasted on road, the TRD Pro needs to be off road. So I think that's clear in that regard. Mm. RD Launder says, "Here's a room full of rakes. Paul, please fix the Supra. Uh-oh. I liked it a lot so much, Uh-oh. so much so that when he saw a zero percent financing ad, he started building one in the configurator. He wants to love it, and he doesn't. That's okay." But have you spent any time around it yet? Have you sat in mm, one? Mm. Have you opened the hood? Have you opened the trunk? Have you sniffed it? Have you touched it? Have you? <laughs> there is a tactile know, reality there spent for sure. Time yeah. with it. I want you to drive it because opinions change. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it happens all the time with Todd and I. We get the car in its sweet spot for what it's intended, and then we really like it, or then mm-hmm. we really hate it. But. I want you to spend some time with it before you just keep looking at the specs and doing the 360 configurator on the, you know, <laughs> spinning it around and that kind of thing. I want you to really spend time with it. You don't have to like the Super. I'm not trying to sell it to you necessarily, but I do want you to really have some time with it. Feel the build quality. Does it meet your standards? Mm-hmm. Do you like how the door shuts? Do you like how the trunk shuts? Do you like sitting it? Do you like the driver's position? Is it, you know, the eye level good? All those kinds of things. Yeah. I want you to really put it through the evaluation before you write it off completely. The drive will be astounding, I I think, personally. But uh, And I also think styling-wise. And time, yeah. You, you've talked about this before because you thought about, quote-unquote, fixing it for your design series. And the longer we've seen it in person, the less you want to do that. Mm-hmm. That is definitely a design that does not photograph as well as it sits. Yeah. When you see it in yeah. person, that car has presence and the design works better than it ever has photographed. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Not all cars, that's the case. I think it's definitely the case with the Supra. I've got a, I've got a question that could go a long time. I'm going to try to go quick. Okay. The dad wrench. He's oh, asking yeah. for me to recommend audiobooks listen in the car. Now, first off, oh, this comes up because I started listening to audiobooks to keep you from speeding. And I was in college picking books that were exactly three hours. <laughs> this is the number one way I consume novels these days. Okay. It's just when I have the time is that way. So now I seek out unabridged. So they're typically at least 10 yeah. hours long. I'm, okay. not, I'm not seeking them out for a specific time frame. I just give me the unabridged version. I want to know exactly as the author wrote it. Okay? So I also don't like nonfiction. I've, I've read plenty of it. I just never get into it as much as fiction. I like fictional stories. I love sci-fi stuff, but I mm. try to read a huge range. I'm going to give you six real quick okay. that are books that I feel like it doesn't matter if you like the genre or not. I think the average person that is a reader that is interested will like all of these. And my, my catalyst, I'm not saying I'm a genius at all. My catalyst for this is these were all books that I couldn't wait to get the chance to listen some more. Mm. I've had plenty I've listened to where I'm like, I'm going to see this through. Okay. But these are ones that I was just like, when do I get to listen again? Old Man's War by John Scalzi is a crazy sci-fi, but okay. very fun. Okay. 
Dark Matter by Blake Crouch will warp your mind with physics and multiple dimensions with a fantastic family story at the center. Ready Player One by Ernest Cline was a movie by Steven Spielberg. The movie's solid. The book's fantastic. Mm. Girl on a Train, Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins is creepy and is so well done. That was also a movie, was it not? It's also a movie, yeah. but the book is spectacular. The book is so good. Gotcha. The Art of Racing in the Rain, also a, a, a movie. The book is better. Mm. That, that one, you'll cry for the back quarter. It's fantastic. And I am a huge fan of Stephen King. A lot of his stuff is not accessible for everybody. One that I think everyone would enjoy because it's historical fiction by Stephen King, Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. Okay. A man travels through time to the Kennedy assassination to see if he can stop it. It's spectacular. Really? It was a TV show that was decent. Read the book. Nicely done. Well done. All right, last question for me from Bradley J. 1983 asks, how do you safely detail an engine bay? This might not be applicable on the Cayman since, yeah, you have to remove the interior panels and <laughs> it's a little bit rougher. You don't exactly crack the head to be like, there's the engine. You know, yeah. Yeah. Plus, you'd never see it anyway. Exactly so who cares? Right. Yep. But if you do it, please do it with a cool engine or cold engine because... You know, if you start spraying water in there, of course, you need to cover up your battery. You need to cover up the alternator. You need to cover up, you know, anything you don't want water to get in. But Griot's does have an engine cleaner. Mm-hmm. It loosens up dirt. I like to use a power washer personally, but you want to just... <laughs> you get serious. You get the power the washer out there. And get that engine cleaner working to loosen the dirt and then come back with your power washer. You don't have to get in there with a toothbrush or anything like that, but... <laughs> it is an engine still. Yeah. You know, I'm just... I'm just saying. But yeah, I, I if you cover up everything, I've done it. If you cover up, you know, like I said, alternator and the battery are the big ones. Otherwise, just think of your car. It, it gets water. You know, you drive in the rain. Water's just getting shoved up from underneath into your engine. So it's not like it's not waterproof. You know, my favorite screw up from a manufacturer in that discussion. <laughs> because as you said, engines are going to get wet. They do. There's no way to get around it. Yeah. I've joked before about the fact that my Lotus made in England isn't good in the rain, but the British just endless joke. The British have a pattern because the E type, the stock position on the E type for the battery is behind the front wheel in the bucket behind the front wheel. So it is possible to hit a puddle hard enough to throw water into the engine bay, spark the battery and kill the car. It is possible. They didn't really think that through. Did they behind the wheel? It must have been just the last place. Well, there's some space right it here. It does go here. Let's just bolt it in right there. Done. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for your questions. Really, really appreciate them always. Uh, yeah, so you can find questions. We'll post up on Mondays and Thursdays for podcast release Tuesdays and Fridays. So we post on social media to ask you questions. Hey, what's on your mind? What's current news? You know, that kind of thing. And then, uh, yeah, please send your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, which you are, and your car debates, everyday driver TV at gmail.com, where you can find us on the website. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Lots coming toward you. Cheers, everyone.